Was that perfect sync this time? That was perfection, baby. Or do you always feel like I'm a little bit out of out of alignment anyway? Well, I mean, aren't we all a little bit out of alignment, David? The sync is never perfect. No, the sync is neither in, in podcast nor in life. The sync is never perfect. I'm, at least we're not moving into any weird phases, like phasing left or phasing right. Ooh, manoral. This is a manoral podcast. We're just. This is just the pot. Um, a pilot for our new ASMR. Is it? It's not funny to joke about ASMR anymore, is it? Is it? I mean, if you're into it, that's cool. No, if you're into it, that's cool. But we don't. We don't do that anymore. We don't make a little silly joke about it. No. Dave, do you think we should do... Remember when Pearl Jam did that binaural album? Mm-hmm. Do you think we should try a binaural podcast? I think we should try try normal. <laughs> let's, let's mix it in Dolby Atmos. Here we are. Get the height channels. Quadranoral was my favorite Who album. Quadra, let's, do, let's do a quadraphonic. Let's do like the Zyrica, where they were like, there's four separate... You have to, you have to play all of our tracks individually mm-hmm. from different speakers, and then you create the podcast together as one i'm surprised that in five years we've never made the mistake of releasing just the either the (laughs) unedited track or just one person's track by accident and put it up there well you you know how like okay so peek behind the curtain y'all uh you can there's a lot of like you know audio manipulation that goes on in in making a podcast you you get rid of all those gross gross like mouth noises and like clicks Shane, and those these are things that only you hear we've talked about this a bunch of times only you hear the mouth noises and the clicks well thank thankfully and that's kept tanner employed yes for the last four and a half years so you know what you can do when you run those things is you can you can have it just mm. leave the noise mm-hmm. so i want tanner to do a special edition where he just he just leaves all of the disgusting mouth noises that get removed, and so it's just like a podcast of like. How about how about we ask Tanner to drop maybe ten seconds <laughs> of mouth noises in right here? Oh God. Please don't. Hello and welcome to episode 261 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado, home of the soon-to-happen Laughing Dragon DreamHack Regional Championship thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with me on the line, from Chicagoland, Illinois, that's the, that's, that's the city, Chicagoland, it's the one and only Godfather Dave Harbarker. That's right. It's me. Just the two of us. Oh, is that our song? No, it's It Takes Two to Make a Thing Go yeah, Right. Yeah, we're that one. It Takes Two to Make It Out of Sight. And also, Out of Sight is Heavy Play, new car gaming accessories brand, improve your gameplay and your game day. Play mats, deck boxes, dice boxes, card sleeves. You know the drill. Really good protection, really good ergonomics, really high quality product. They have the Equipmag system, magnetic, snap, 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 all of your stuff together. Attach it to your play mat, you know, the cool folding play mat. It's got the sticky side, it's got the smooth side, Dave. I was going to say, I would love to talk about the, we talk about everything else. You know, I don't think we spent enough time talking about these play mats. No, the playmat rules. The playmat is amazing. The playmat fits yeah. in your backpack, folds, protects itself. You don't need one of those weird things that sticks out of the back oh, of your bag. I, I hate the roll. I hate the roll so much. Now, now. I do. Now I, I used to be okay with the roll. Now? Yeah. Now, no, now never. I'm a folder. I can never go back. <laughs> you know what, what always annoyed me is like when I would roll my playmat. Mm-hmm. And I would like try to slide it into the little tube thing. Yeah, and the and middle I didn't, comes like, out. I, yeah, or like I hadn't rolled it tight enough. Right. 
or like one of the two caps that's like loosely attached to like your cheap plastic tube comes off and you're like, well, I guess I'm trying to hold this thing upright in like my water bottle pocket all day. Did you ever do the thing where you have the tube and you took the one cap (laughs) off and then you push the play mat into it and the other tube comes off, (laughs) under the tube comes off and the play mat flies out. (laughs) I may have had that happen. You never have to have any of these uh, embarrassing things happen (laughs) with heavy place folding play mat. Get it. Yeah, I mean, it stays put. I mean, like, you know, most playmats stay put, right? But I like the the, the smooth side. It's so smooth. Anyway, uh, you can get this stuff, all this good stuff at your local game store, hopefully, or shop at heavyplay.com uh, or shop at uh, the regional championship in Denver at the Magic Con in Chicago. Probably mo- most events I think Heavy Play is trying to get to. We have a code for this year, which is the Dive Down 2024. It gets you 10% off of your first order at Heavy Play. Dot com. That's right. Dave, mm-hmm. I feel like we are in the uncanny valley of magic content, mm. right? We, we, have, we have a new set. We talked about the new set. We've, we picked out a, num- a number of cool cards. Twice. But the cards aren't here. They're kind of not here. Yeah, like, so like they appeared today on Magic Online. They're barely out in paper. Yeah. So how are they out in paper? Were they, did the set officially release like on Friday? Or is that like a pre-release, but you can play with the cards? I don't know how this works anymore. I don't buy paper cards anymore. It's not how it works. Oh, you're right. It's just out. You just go and buy, buy a booster box whenever you want. Oh, heck yeah. So Only once it's officially, street, once it hits street Which date. is pre-release now. So don't forget that. So you've already opened, like, how many boxes, Dave? Uh, I've already opened a single box. Okay. I got some, you know, I got some stuff here. I got... Any sweet pools? I got your Undercity Sewers, the Raucous, Raucous Theater. Okay, Undercity Sewers. Is that the Demir yep. Surveil Land? Yep. I opened one box. I got six Surveil Lands in one box. I was telling people in, in the market in the Marketplace channel on our Discord, if you want to come and check out our Discord to talk about stuff like this, um, that I got... Like 1.5 rares per pack, almost Ooh. out of this out of this box out of these new play boosters. Which let me tell you something, not it's not a cheap purchase <laughs> to buy a box of magic cards anymore. Really? Was it like 140? Ah, oh, it was more than that. It was 150. Was it at a store? Did you support an LGS? I did support an LGS. So I don't know what the online prices are. I, I don't look too much for that. I like to go to the Grandmaster Games here in Oak Park, oh, Illinois. Oh yeah, Grandmaster, get at us. I buy one booster box there uh, just to try to help you know, keep their whole thing happening. And uh, does Grandmaster have uh, heavy play products yet? I don't think they do. Oh, you better get at I don't them. Think they do. Here's, here's this one for you. Here you go. Le- oh, oh Leyline Le- Le- the, the Guild, Guild Pack. Pack. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Yeah. Anyway, it was fun to open a box, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I don't, I think, I, I don't think this is the uncanny Valley. I think of this as the fun canny Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, Ooh, it's shiny. Yeah. It's shiny. Picture poison. Picture poison. Nice. The, you know, the regional championship, the modern regional championship in Denver is up this coming weekend. That'll be sweet. I'll be going out to check that out. I will not be playing in it. I'm just going to hang out. Maybe I'll do like a side event. It depends on my, my level of momentum. You mean you, di- you didn't queue for the RC and not tell us about it, Shane? I, I, <laughs> if, I, if I had the time, I would take Friday off and go out there just for like some kicks, some LCQs or something like that. But I yeah. cannot take Friday off, unfortunately. All right. We've got the Pioneer Pro Tour, Murders at Karloff Manor in a couple weeks in Chicago. We'll be mm-hmm. there. All of us will be there. That'll be sweet. Uh, but we don't have too much happening to really like sink our teeth into in the meantime. But Dave, 
you stepped up, you did some, you did most of the heavy lifting this week, if not, I mean, all of it really. And you, you looked at, we're going to look at what went down at SCG Con Hartford this past weekend. The cards were legal there. We were to see if anything was happening, you know, real deal, paper play, boots on the ground, salt of the earth players scrambling mm-hmm. for those fresh Karlov Manor. I said it right this time, Karlov Manor cards. You did. So we're going to find out what went down there. And, and also then, talk about some modern metagames again. Oh, modern. My, I can't wait. And then we do have, uh, I found some stuff. You know, it's the first day people were playing with the new cards, the streamers, the Doom Wakes, the Aspiring Spikes. Saw some cool decks there. Uh, saw some results. And we'll talk a little bit about the, the brews that these folks were messing with. But first, we have a little bit of housekeeping. We have some new patrons. It's 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 Duex. It's Ducks. It's Ducks. Um, it's Ducks. Yeah. And uh, Josh B. Do you remember the hot dog place uh, here called Ducks, D-U-K apostrophe S? Do you ever oh, go there? I remember Hot Dugs. Hot Ducks? Hot not, hot Ducks is, <laughs> is much lower rent than Hot Dugs ever was. Hot Ducks is like, but it just has a great name because it's D-U-K apostrophe S. So there was always, I like to annoy people and say it was called Dukes. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. everybody else says it's called ducks. Yeah, just yeah. just to peeve people off. I'm into yeah. it. Uh, we have some Spotify comments from Mikhail Angelo. I'm curious if that's my favorite said, turtle. Yes. William, Christian P, Jorge Z, Alex N. Thank you for engaging with us on the premiere streaming site that we get no money from. Uh, who gets money from Spotify? How many plays do you have to get? Like. Five to be monetized million? on Spotify? Yeah. Uh, they reach out to you when, they, when they're ready to do that. Are they going to acquire us? No, I don't think they're going to acquire us. But I don't know if you remember, I think that um, there are certain history podcasts hosted by people who might have been on the first 20 or so episodes of this show. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, I believe was monetized through Spotify for a little bit and now has moved on to a different network from there. Yeah, Riley Knight, get at us. We miss you, Riley. Come back now that you're a super mega podcast star. Oh, Remember when he asked us for podcast advice at the end of that episode? <laughs> when he asked you guys, because I was on vacation that week. But he was like, wow, you guys are off to a pretty good start. Do you have any advice for me? And now he's like, you know, Mr. History. Oh, yeah. Is he legit? Bless him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, Riley is... You don't listen to Half-Ass History? No, he's he's effortlessly char- charismatic and amazing, though. So, Oh, my I'm God. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite shows. We look forward to it coming out every week. Oh, well, I should listen to that then because I need I need some... Dave, I work at home now, and I don't mm-hmm. listen to like any podcast anymore. It stinks. Yeah. I need, I need to like wash more dishes, I guess. Patreon, if you want to support us or support your favorite content creator, support half, half-butted history, half-arsed history, uh, whatever you're into. Yeah. Your favorite content creator, patreon.com. Hopefully, we're in that that echelon um you can go to patreon.com slash the dive down throw some of your hard-earned bucks our way get some swag and discord access in return or you can go to the store the dive down.com slash store i actually sent dave an order for my stuff hopefully he put it in um, Not yet, but we're gonna do it right after we record <laughs> together because we have to i want some fresh swag for uh magic on chicago i got yeah. I want a new i want a new hat oh funny um uh andy Andy P, longtime yeah. patron Frank. and friend of the pod. Uh, Andy came into Denver. His brother lives here. We went to the Tool concert mm-hmm. last night. I feel old today. Let me tell you what. Went to Tool. Andy had his dive down hat. I was, his stocking cap? <laughs> no, he had he had a re- the really nice heather gray snapback. Oh, right. And that is that is a nice looking hat. 
Like yeah, the Heather gray is really nice. It is nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I have the camo. I'm wearing it right now because I did not wash my hair today. Uh, but the I, I'm getting a Heather for a backup cap for Chicago. Anyway, get your stuff there at the store, divedog.com slash store. Mana Traders, you know, you get the 10% off your first two months. The code is in the show notes. It is also the dive down underscore 3YO. That's good through the end of February. Yep. Cool. That's the, that's, that's the housekeeping. All right. So like you said, we're not sure what to talk about this week. So we're going to check in on modern again a little bit oh, and man. see if we see any new cards because there was a really huge event. There's a lot of people. Yeah, do SCG Con Hartford, which had many different events, including a huge flesh and blood event. Many huge, events are saying huge Lorcana events. Yeah, the, the Lorcana events were like bigger than Pioneer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know people were actually playing that. I think I think there's a slightly burgeoning competitive scene. We'll see if they can keep it up. Sweet, into it. Meaning both uh, Disney. <laughs> itself and Ravensburger and also SCG. We'll see. But yeah, they have they have all those different things going on there, which is very cool. Glad to see m- more games out there that are bringing people out. But anyway, um, so they had a couple of things here. They had two different 10Ks for Modern at SCG, like single day 10Ks, which is pretty interesting. Um, they had a, one on Saturday that was an RCQ. It had 355 people in it. And they had a second one on Sunday that had 198 people in it, which is pretty cool that they ran both of them. Yeah. Different meta games ish in each one, but uh, we'll, we'll take a look and see what's going on. We're going to talk about them as separate events. We can go through the top eight and just kind of have some fun. I will say I used goldfish to source the data for this stuff because the events posted there, they, I am positive did not correct deck names because I spot checked some. So we have the MTG melee problem of some people being comedians, including <laughs> some people in the top eight this time trying to be funny. Brutal. A little brutal. Maybe it helped them this time. They got there. I, you know, for once. For once. Um, okay, so here's what the metagame was for the 355-person Saturday RCQ. Here we go. Crashing football falls. Number one. 16.5% of the metagame. Oh boy. What's Rhinos? Yeah. We are in we are in scam arc light phoenix territory. Oh, just you wait for Sunday, my friend. Okay, so crashing footfalls, 16.5%. That's an a tier by itself, I would say. After that, we have kind of let's say four de- five decks that are within this kind of like five to ten percent range. And it's Amulet Titan at basically nine percent, Rakdos Scam at basically eight percent, Boros Burn in fourth place at basically eight percent, Murktide Regent at six point five percent, and Yogmoth at six point three percent. Okay, Dave. Burn at eight percent. We have seen in a lot of other paper tournaments recently and online tournaments, Burn has been sort of relegated to the fringes of modern. It's in the other category. It's like 1.5, 2% frequently. I don't think it's ever that yeah. far down. It's always like it's no, always it like four percent or three percent. I mean, I'm thinking of ones I've I'm thinking of breakdowns I've done recently. Really? I'm like, you know, like, okay. it's like we didn't even say the word burn unless I like was making fun of it. Um, but w- why do you think people would be bringing burn back to this tournament besides having it in like their you know, pre-built, already ready to go type thing. Well, because this was in Hotford, as you know, a well-known, oh. well-known established burn meta. Really, Hotford? Aren't they all burn metas? That's the joke. <laughs> Thanks for screwing up. I mean, I I have no idea why people would bringing be bringing this much burn. 
honestly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's particularly good against rhinos, right? It's it's pretty even. Like okay. I, I think you I think you can have a slight edge. I it's the type of thing where like you can do enough before rhinos can really get online. Like if they don't have their interaction for your creatures, but then you can also just like you know throw throw burn spells at rhinos before they kill you. You do have a few sideboard options or even main deck options. Like if you are playing Roiling Vortex, then that can hurt the rhinos player. Although they changed the the rules for Cascade, like now you you don't have to cast it, right? Yes, you do not have to cast. I don't know if that went into effect today or. Or when yeah. in Saturday, or I guess it would have gone in with the release of uh, Carl of Manor. So yeah, yeah. But you, st- I mean, you still do, in fact, need to get some rhinos on the board at some point, likely to uh, to win. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's like lights out by any means. So I'm trying to bring up a, a matchup spread just to double check, but I, I don't know it. But let me tell you what. Yeah. Um, How to do? I actually didn't look at the combined win rates on this tournament because i was just like it's always such a like i don't know if these really mean anything here yeah exactly let's look let's look okay we got burned 46 percent. yeah according to again according to melee where that may or may not be right including the fact that melee says that burn is actually third on this list oh actually i think i'm giving spoilers about tomorrow's event no that's right that's what it says on the saturday event oh yeah so melee says that it's 8% 8% or 7.18% of the meta and um, Goldfish says that it's lower because Goldfish must have corrected some of the deck names to get scam higher up. Okay. This all makes so. sense. Yeah. Because I mean, Rakdos scam is the type of thing where there's like, sometimes it's called like Rakdos of Oaks and it's like Rakdos midrange. Sometimes people are being, being silly, silly gooses. Yep. So just to confirm, according to at least a place like MTG Meta IO, burn is 52.6% against rhinos with kind of some big error bars because we don't have like a huge amount of data on it. Yeah. But it's a somewhat frequent matchup that burn seems to have a slight, slight edge on for maybe a couple of reasons, but it looks, you know, not conclusive. So I don't know if you would pick that up to metagame against what you thought was the best deck in the, in the room or the most played deck. Yeah, I mean, you'd just bring Living End if you were doing that, right? But I mean, I think you can you can definitely skew burn to like that. Like if you if you play like a couple silences in your sideboard, like that sucks to face down as a Rhinos player. It's not a typical sideboard inclusion, but I have seen it. I've I've it got cast against me uh, once in at a RC or ICQ, and that stunk. So but anyway, yeah, I mean, I think it's just you know it's fine. Yeah. What's after yep. that? Yep. So. Uh, I think I said Murtide Regent and Yawgmoth were the other ones after that. So that's your top six. That's all the decks that are above 5% in this tournament. With For the first time, I think, we have Rhinos being close to double the next most popular deck. Yeah, that's quite a bit. And notably, I think sort of absent from the top decks here is Omnath, right? So I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's further down the list. 3%. It's the 11th deck in the list. So that's pretty different for a paper tournament in modern right now i think like i would expect to see more uh, omnath at the tables but instead you know it's it's hotford as you said yep and here's the next bracket at least what's kind of around two percent up to that five percent it's living end at 4.19 hardened scales at 3.89 hammer time at 3.89 mono green tron 3.29 omnath 2.99 domain zoo 2.99 that's the top 
12 decks all in that we're looking at right now. Okay. Okay. So yeah, not nothing too ridiculous. But I do I do think Titan being second is kind of and it's sort of a decisive second in a sense that it's almost a full point above scam at this point. And then going scam and then burn and then Murktide and Yogmoth is certainly a different ordering of those decks. Now, given the size of this tournament, it's really only like three or four people different from each other. Yeah. You know, Amulet Titan has 30, Yogmoth has 21. But um, it's interesting to see that those particular decks just shuffle a little bit at the top here. Yeah, it's curious. Um, I mean, that's the kind of thing where it's like, th- this is the first tournament I've seen in paper recently where I'm like, this seems like a a regional meta. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, hey, there is a, there's more burn than I might expect. There's Yogg is not ridiculously popular. Omnath is not ridiculously pop, uh, popular in the in this environment. And and typically, I would expect to see a good amount of those in, in a paper tournament of this scale. So you know, scam. This is kind of I think we see the continual slip of scam back into like I'm just a normal modern deck. Like I'm hanging out with the Murktide Regents and the Amulet Titans and the Yogmoss of the format. Uh, well, yeah, and according to this, scam's win rate was forty four point seven five percent. Yeah, and that's According a good reason. To melee. Right? Is like, yeah. I think I think that that keeps happening, right? As like people people like me aren't getting the free wins. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't take this to a tournament and get like you know a five percent edge just by bringing the tier zero deck. And you have to work for the wins, and even that might be a high forties deck at this point. So it's kind of like. I wouldn't be surprised to see Sam, Scam continue to slip. I wouldn't be surprised to see Scam at like 4% at the RC in Denver this next weekend. I think like testing and data is showing it not being super strong. I'm not going to predict 4. I'm going to predict, let's say, 6.5. But I wouldn't be surprised to see it a little bit lower. I know we're kind of bouncing all over the place. I know that we weren't talking about predictions of the next That's meta. Okay. But I think it's kind of like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sam, Scam keep slipping here. I'm a little bit surprised to see living in at like only 4.5. Um, because I think Living End is maybe people just aren't confident enough to be like, I'm going to bring Living End and I'm going to beat like this 15, you know, 15 to 20% footfalls meta because it, it still just has a tough time with all the sideboard hate that people are bringing to stop footfalls and also, you know, potentially stop living end. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough choice there. Like, you know, bringing living end is a statement. You're planting a flag. You're saying, I'm going to, I'm just going to really crush footfalls and hopefully find some edges here and there and dodge a really bad mashups or something like that. Yes. Although I will say, for example, you know, Longtime supporter, friend of the show, Maria Luter Scooter um, from the On an Adventure podcast was in the Discord today talking about how well Living End is positioned, saying, as long as I dodge Scam, Scales, and Yogmoth, it's well positioned. So there's clearly some matchups there that Living End pilots are a little bit afraid of. I mean, even if you total all that up, what, that's Scam, Scales, Yogmoth? Like, that's, yeah, like maybe 20%, 25 yeah, on a 20%. bad day, which is not a great place to be. But, I mean, there's certainly plenty of decks that have 20% really rough matchups, unless your footfalls, when, you know, in this one, you have about 4.2% really bad right. matchups, and everything else is pretty salvageable, if not good. There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the thing for me from here, of course, is like seeing Hardened Scales and Hammer Time both being kind of on the edge there is like, oh, wow, okay, people are playing the artifact decks, cr- climbing back up slightly, a little bit. Yeah. But why don't we top about talk about the top eight? Oh, please. So, didn't pay a ton of position to, or attention to where all these people finished in the top eight, but here's what the record looked like after Swiss. So, 
according to Melee, the number one player and deck coming out of the Swiss at eight and one was Michael Rapp, friend of the show, Ooh. Michael Rapp, on Team of Rhinos. Oh, wow. Did he have a Death Shadow in there somewhere? He did not have Death Shadow in there. Death Shadow. Uh, yeah. He had some tweets about Death Shadow after the tournament saying he loves Rhinos, but he felt like this metagame might be exploitable by Shadow. And we'll talk a little <laughs> bit more about that uh, in the future. Uh, a little preview for the Sunday episode there. But yeah, Michael was was one of the t- main people. I believe that he lost in the top four. And the, you know, what do you think about this idea that someone who is sort of a scientist with Death Shadow, the tempo mid-range deck, when they decided that they needed to pick up a new deck has become kind of a Rhinos grinder? Do you think there's analogs between those decks? Wow, that's, I mean, somewhat in like, you know, it's, 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 Rhinos is not necessarily a turbo Xerox deck besides just having a, you know, nice Ice turn to yeah, besides, <laughs> well, yeah, besides having a really good uh, collection of eight cascade spells, plus, you know, like you said, ice, plus just the fact that like, you know, you have uh, an, enough ability to consistently find those just with, by, by having more than four of them. So I think like, you know, cheap interaction, uh, turn the corner hard, win with your rhinos type thing. Like, I think like that's there. You don't have to play with your life total as much, which is always nice to be able to avoid that. I think in, in this particular meta, like with 8% burn, like I don't think you really necessarily want to see that as like a casual Death Shadow player. I think the good Death Shadow players are like, sure, help me out, make my Death Shadow bigger. Like I'll, I'll find the precise timing yeah, I just mean I never really thought about these decks being super oh, similar, similar, but but maybe they are. Maybe Rhinos and Death Shadow actually. I mean, you know, you're using sort of cards that fit a weird game plan. You're yeah. trying to economize in the ways that you can, and you have very specific goals. And maybe maybe there is a similar style to like the waiting until the right moment to play your cards. Yeah, you pick using your counter magic to, yeah, to exactly. like protect whatever your threats are on the board and kind of going from there. It's just here you get two threats. Or yeah, I mean, you, you, have your, you have your weird counter spells, like, you know, you have your your Force of Negations are only good at certain times, your um, Mystical Disputes are only good at certain times, so you have to really figure out what your sequencing is going to be, what your game plan is, but, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of decks, of course, are like that, but I think in terms of comparing Footfalls to, uh, to Death Shadow, then I can see the mindset that is shared. Um, I think it's probably easier to be better with Footfalls than it is to be good at Shadow, especially now. But um, I can see why Rap would would make that transition. Yeah. Michael Spice in this deck, one main deck, Dismember. Other than that, stock list, no new cards. Michael uh, Spice is my favorite lead singer of uh, 80s, uh, what was it? No Depression Band. No Depression, yeah, exactly. All right, Gabriel Sorcy, Merktide with No Spice is the next person on the list. Next, we had JW is what it says on MTG J-dubs. Melee. This is Jeff Jeff White is the name of this pilot. This is a Rhino deck, also with no spice. Also, Jeff was the winner of this tournament for what it's worth, so Rhinos did win this RCQ. There you go. Um, Justin Gottlieb on Rakdos Grief is the next person there. This is a stock list as well. Really nothing kind of out of the ordinary about this one. Paul Mullins, five, color, creativity. Going back to the Grief deck... Is going back to Grief is, deck. Is, is, is like Bone Crusher Giant, like a couple of those, is kind of like stock at this point like to to I hedge against you know just some interaction hedge against the one ring stuff or i think th- it's not that weird yeah. and also not stock yeah it's you just, know it's, it's sort of a like card. a card that's there yeah, yeah got it yeah i mean yeah i think it, i'm sure it's there for people to do things like well, like you said bone crusher giant kind of 
stuff. So, or sorry, oh, uh, yeah. anti one ring kind oh, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, is yeah. I, I would put Bone Crusher Giant in my deck to do Bone Crusher Giant stuff. I agree. Yeah, it's F- true. So creativity. You're in not fifth the place. only tired person on this show. <laughs> Five color creativity. Creativity is having a little bit of a comeback recently. We see I it, fully agree. We see it make the top eight here. I've seen it online recently and was like, oh my God, creativity's back. Oh no. It's back, baby, in creativity form. I mean, nothing, I mean, no new cards here that I see have made the list. No one. I've got, you know, I've got a little uh, show note for you at the end of this top eight that okay. will help you with that. Love it. Perfect. I did read the notes. Don't worry. Okay. Well, then you know that there are no new cards in this top eight. Not a single one. I mean, they had the cards available Saturday morning. If they really, you know, they could have run ran around oh, Friday. we'll talk about it. Okay. We'll talk about it. But yes, in this top eight, there's no new cards. Got it. Okay, perfect. So creativity, I think, is cool. I think it does feel like it's a kind of becoming well-positioned right now, uh, or at least people are picking it up. All right. Then we had Arun Talpalakar on Yogmoth. I would say this was a no-spice list as well. Pretty much all recognizable. After that, Stanley... Kazilewski on Amulet Titan. Not even a spelunking among this one. Wow. It's just Amulet Titan. And then finally, we had Jack Hool on Tenrack. Just kidding. Ooh, Tenrack. Just kidding. It's actually Hardened Scales. Tenrack, I feel like, is the default. Like, I'm not going to put my real deck list because it must be at like, the top of the top of the list because it's a number. Oh, good point. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna give Jim House the uh, the benefit of the doubt here and say that that was a misclick and not yeah. purposely trying you, to mess you, up my podcast. Are you going to give Jack Howell the benefit of the doubt, too? No. <laughs> Just Jim House. Just Jim House. <laughs> I can play with names, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, scales. I mean, hey, I like Scales. I've been trying to learn how to play it. I had not a great weekend trying to play Scales in some leagues, uh, but uh, the only spice that I noticed here in this particular deck is one copy of the one ring in the sideboard, uh, which is there sometimes and is not there other times. And that's it. That's your top eight. But like I said, my main observation from this is, you know, this is a spread of modern decks. Creativity is sort of the (laughs) outlier in here. Maybe you could think of uh, Hardened Scales as being the other outlier among this group, but solid decks. But the main thing is there's no no new cards in this top eight at all. Yeah, yeah. In terms of performance, performance rhinos did really well 55 and a half percent titan did well at 54 uh living end did fine at 52 omnath decks nine players nine pilots but 57 percent i mean i'm sure the omnath people know what they're doing but i i feel like omnath might be a little bit underappreciated right now just in terms of the sheer power level that that strategy always provides we also saw good weekends out of you know good saturdays at least out of hammer time at 53 and a half creativity was also 53 and a half so yeah might as well play the decks you like because modern is a 45 to 55 percent format yet again which you know i've I've been on record i think that's where watsy likes their formats to be um i don't think anything's particularly outstanding in terms of what it's doing besides perhaps the consistency that rhinos can offer right now uh, across the whole metagame but yeah that's saturday Yep. Although there is one thing I'd like to talk about. Oh, please. So one new card that did show up on yeah. this this tournament, yeah. the only thing that I found in any of the seven and two or better decks. So I looked at every deck list going down to 29th place. And the only new cards I found were Surveil Lands in Rhinos, specifically Hedge Mage. Hedge Maze. Hedge Mage, I think, is a uh, uh, Terry Pratchett thing. Mm-hmm. Hedge Maze and Thundering Falls, which would be the blue-green and yeah, blue-red. Yeah, makes sense. That would be, that would be good in a in a teamer deck. I think those two. Yep. 
So we know that Devin used them, but I thought it was interesting that literally Rhinos was the only deck that picked these up. And we immediately saw tweets on Saturday saying, surveil lands are broken, you know, yada, yada, yada. It looked like there was a good number of decks, like maybe four or five of them in that top kind of 30 decks that were playing these so Rhino mm-hmm. decks are picking them up. Maybe some of them had one. Devin had noted on uh, Twitter that he could only find one before uh, the tournament on Saturday, but on Sunday he wanted. He, I think he managed to acquire the second one on Sunday when he was playing. Okay, but people are going wild for Surveil Lands, um, saying they are broken. Lots of people are saying that they're broken. broken. I only found them. I only found them in Rhinos. So now are we saying that the Surveil Lands made Rhinos broken? Like I don't know if I get that. So. I would love to see if people are seeing some other potential in these because I have not seen them in any other decks yet uh, with one little asterisk, which is I saw a hedge maze, I believe, in uh, Living End on Sunday. But what do you think about Surveillance? How are you feeling about them after people have said they're good in Rhinos? So my, my core issue with them in Rhinos, I guess specifically, is it, it gives you a few more potentially unkeepable hands, right? And that's always my my concern. It's like, hey, if I'm relying on it to be a source of colored mana, then it comes into play tapped early, and early is sometimes where like you can win and lose games in Rhinos because you want the interaction. You want to be able to, you know, kill a Ragavan, although and I guess in this day and age it's not that particularly concerning, but still needs to happen. You need to take something off the board, right? And and sometimes you just might not have the mana that you need in or you might not be able to cast that ice on, you know, the turn three upkeep or something like that, right? Because game into play tapped. But hopefully that's outweighed by like the density of fetch lands that allows you to get what you need. You know, you can get the surveil land if you have the time. You can get the regular old shock land if you need the interaction. So I understand that like you're relying on the fetch lands to provide your fixing and mana tempo as needed. But I kind of, you know, me, I'm always looking at the downside and in my brain, surveil is not that huge of an upside, but I think I frequently underappreciate effects like that until I'm playing with it, right? Yeah. Where it's like this is this is effectively I mean it's not effectively draw a card, mm-hmm. but it's it 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 gets you through your deck. It gives that it gives you your percentages up of finding the card you need, of finding the land you need to like hit your third land or something like that, like we talked about last week. So I get it. Yeah. But I think it's uh, this is a, I need to play with it to find out for sure. I mean, I definitely like part of the reason I was like, eh, I'm just going to go buy a box, honestly, was like, I know that they're not worth a lot of money. But I was like, well, if, I, if every land that I hit is just probably something that I'll be okay trying, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Then when I did the analysis, I was like, oh, wait, it's only Rhino people playing it. At least I got a, a hedge maze out of my box. But I, you know, I don't know. I'll be, I'm still really curious to see. Because all the arguments that people have for Rhinos, okay, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's because Rhinos doesn't always have to have a turn one play. You know, it doesn't have to do something on turn one. Like maybe you're going to play what is it? Dead? Is that the card that you play to kill Ragavan? The two, the yeah, two mana you, card. Yeah, you dead it. You dead it, or like you Lorian revealed cycle type right, thing. That's the, or... the other thing you can do. That makes sense. Maybe it's because they don't have a ton of like must do turn one plays that people are okay with that risk. And so that's why people are just trying it because the benefits so outweigh the the downside of missing turn one. Like if you have a hedge maze in your opener, you just play it tapped turn one, like, okay, fine. You still get to surveil, which is cool. Um, but I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of the arguments for the plus side of this is like, why wouldn't you just play one of these in like every deck? 
Like I, I don't get no, like one. Yeah. Like why wouldn't yeah, you just do it. that in, in Rakdos? It's like, well, I can keep a crappy hand that has two fetch lands because I know I can go surveil to try to see if I can get into a third land, you know, mm-hmm. or what, like doesn't any deck want to be able to have exert that kind of control in the first couple of turns if they can for very little cost. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, the argument would be the same, right? Which is like, I, you know, like really aggressive decks like burn <laughs> you wouldn't do, yeah. of course, or things like that. But yeah, because you could make the same arguments for lots of decks, which is like, hey, yeah, sometimes you need to do stuff turn one, then you can go get your shock, or and sometimes you don't, and then you can just go get the surveil land and just get value, right? Because I mean, plenty of decks are want a third land or even a second land, right? And so, like, if you're really sketchy, then you're like, well, I, I guess I can surveil and try to find it. Like, I like, get why it. Why wouldn't I even but... try it in like prowess, a prowess esque build? You know what I mean? Because sometimes you get totally hammered with the tap land, but sometimes that happens with the tap lands that exist anyway. But mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it okay. falls out. So that that's a big part of what were the new cards that were were happening. Honestly, from what I saw, let's a few surveillance. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Okay. Okay. Especially on Saturday. All right. So let's go to Sunday. So there was an, another 10K, like we said, smaller prize pool. So less people in this tournament, about half, really. There were 355 in the Saturday tournament, and there were 198 in the Sunday one with okay. ostensibly the same prize pool, I guess. So maybe the Sunday one was better EV. But the metagame, sort of the same and sort of totally different. Yeah. Yeah. First off, I think it's there's some more interesting decks, especially in the top eight. And so that led me to believe a little bit that people are like getting out their Sunday fun day stuff. But then when I looked <laughs> at the overall meta of this tournament, Crashing Footfalls was 21.79% of the meta. Dave, let me tell you, Footfalls is fun. It's it's some it's 34 people Sunday fun day is bringing Crashing Footfalls. Yeah, yeah. I guess. After that comes Yogmoth at 7.7%, Boros Burn at 7%, Rakdos Scam at 6.4%, Creativity at 5 Omnath Ooh. at 5 Murktide at 5 mm-hmm. Those are all the decks that are above 5%. It's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 decks. With, again, Crashing Footfalls being an, a crushing three times more more decks than the than Yawgmoth in second place, basically. My god, Three times more. That's surprising to me, honestly. Yeah. Burn is in third place in this tournament. Oh my. It's Yawgmoth, Burn, and then Scam. You know, Murktide has completely fallen off. Titan was 8%, 9% of the Saturday meta, and it's 3.8% of the of the Sunday meta. Only six people out of 200 brought brought Amulet to the tournament where, hmm. you know, way more brought it the day before. 30 people brought it the day before, and only six brought up to play it on Sunday. I'm looking at this list of decks and their win rates, and I'm like, where are the wins coming from here? Because, like, everything is, everything's bad. Except for, except for creativity. Like, I mean, Rhinos is fine. Like, 50, 51.5. Like, you know, Rhinos is our new scam overlord. It's kind of a low 50% deck. Like, you know, Burn was sub 50. Yawgmoth. Yawgmoth was bad on Sunday as well. Like, it didn't That's have weird. a great Saturday. Yeah. Didn't have a good Sunday. Creativity up there at 57%. And then Scam was 40. Murktide was, an, you know, an even 50%. Although that, Dave, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Melee. It doesn't make sense to me. How can you be 19, 25, and 1 and say it's a 50, 50% deck? Mm. That math doesn't These work math out to me. do not make sense. No. So am I, if, it, if that's true, then it's not 50%. So anyway, long story short is like nothing is, is really 
screaming out to me besides, you know, Omnath wasn't, wasn't particularly good in, on Sunday. It was like 47%. So stuff's all over the place. Like Living End did 53 here. So Living End actually did well in both tournaments. It makes sense in a field of, you know, 22% Rhinos players that Living End would have a pretty good day. Creativity, so, like you said, was yeah. pretty good. Well, let's talk about what did do well. Yes. Okay. Here's the top eight of this deck. This okay. is like the Dave centric top eight. Oh, okay. Perfect. Here's what's in it. I'm just going to read the list first and then we'll talk about them. Mono white hammer. Whoa. I haven't, man, I haven't heard that in a top eight in a long while. Exactly. I feel like, um, there were two rhinos decks. There was a Titan deck. There was a creativity deck. And then it's these last three that really drive it home for me. Grixis death shadow, mm -hmm. Rakdos death shadow. Ooh. And teamer prowess. Oh my. This is like all Sweet. of my decks. Yeah, and a couple of rhinos. So and mine too. Yeah, okay, sure. Whatever. Yeah. That's perfect. All right. So Hammer was basically a stock list here, which is it's nice to see. I'm glad that Hammer got a little result, but uh it's there's nothing too interesting about this particular list, other than the fact that it's you know, mo I think mono white actually has been more import more popular than blue white recently. But um yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. So the shadow list. There's two of them. One is piloted by Adam Snook. That's the Grixis shadow list. And the other one is piloted by Harlan Fire. That is the Rakdos list. Let's talk about the Grixis list here. The Grixis list looks exactly like you would imagine Grixis would look like right now. It's the same list. It just has Bowmasters in it. Mm -hmm. Like That's it. And Known good card. Known good card Bowmaster. And I, I think that what it's really replacing from the last time that I played Death Shadow is probably like Ledger Shredder, which is just not here. Yeah. You know, so yeah, Shredder, Shredder, yeah, has had a significant fall from the spotlight of modern. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, it's still good in Pioneer, not as used in modern at the moment. Though someday maybe it'll be back. So yeah, that is what we're looking at there. But other than that, I there wasn't anything too wild in here, other than the fact that there's like a stern scolding main, and and that's kind of it. Rakdos Death Shadow. Uh, guess what? This is scam. I mean, kind of. Yes and no. It it has a lot of interesting cards. I mean, it really does. Here's here's the list from. Harlan Fire. It is 29 creatures in this. It's I love four Dalphy Voidwalker, four Death Shadow, four Greeth, three Inti, four Ragavan, four Stalactite Stalker. Whoa. Stalactite Stalker. Do you need me to read the text of that card? Yeah, I'm. This is wild. So this is a card that I think people wondered if might get a little bit of play. So it is a single black for a goblin rogue. It is a 1-1 one, one with menace that says, at the beginning of your end step, if you descended this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Stalactite Stalker. Then it's two generic black sacrifice Stalactite Stalker. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until turn where X is Stalactite Stalker's power. Yeah, I, I remember we talked about this in my spoiler episode. I think I might have put it on the list just because, hey, it's one mana. Mm -hmm it grows and it can serve as poor removal yeah potentially yeah you know what i mean and so it's just this just like an aggressive one drop like hey i'm putting something on the battlefield and then descend it is like if a permanent goes into your graveyard yeah. so you get value off of street wraith you get value off of uh inti mm -hmm. doing some discarding you get value off of anything else i guess a grief yeah, grief in yeah Sweet. So there's a lot of ways to make it grow over time, for sure. But man, it's just like, I mean, Thoughtsies. I guess if, if you can look at it as like, this is a one mana play that can be a really weird, like wild in the cattle. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this is my bad wild in the cattle. Well, that's also removal. Yes. That's also removal and has menace. Yeah. Which is interesting. So, 
get you know, you know, get some chip damage in there, you know, and sometimes it can probably just sort of, you know, not run away with the game, but you can be an aggressive creature when you're keeping the board clear on the other side. Yeah. Now, I did not mention my pet card that is in here that I've played with a good hmm. amount in modern. Oh, there was two X Scourge of the Skyclaves in this deck oh, as well. Man. I still have my playset. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't remember, it's a generic and a black for a star star demon. It has kicker for generic and a black and says, when you cast this spell, if it was kicked, each player loses half of their life rounded up. Scourge that which you never do, by the way. Scourge of the Skyclave's power and toughness are equal to 20 minus the highest life total among players. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. The, the card it did not pan out quite what people might hope for. I mean, it was great for a minute there in red black mid range uh kind of in the just we're talking just post like luris like this is the luris rakdos kind of shadow list that could run skyclaves and luris and all that kind of stuff so dave this list does not have bowmasters right actually it's pretty interesting right that is mind blowing like it's you're running stalactite stalker over bowmasters mm-hmm. in this environment so uh, and and then the removal suite is really minimal yeah it is like you know you, ha- you have just the thoughtsies for the hand interaction but then there's the not dead after all for your grief and keeping other cards alive yeah you know as a just a, for that it does have know, bowmasters in the sideboard don't forget yeah so that makes sense yeah yeah but then only three lightning bolt to terminate yep like no main deck fatal push that kind of thing. Like even there's no fatal push in the sideboard. Right. So there's really, really not worried about removing cheap creatures or creature tokens. I guess. We are just aggro in this deck, I guess is what it is. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So interesting list here. Went seven and one in the Swiss. All right. And then the next one is Teamer Prowess by Bailey Sarkis. Uh, Apparently Bailey's a known prowess grinder online um i do i don't think this is a super like new list i don't think anybody's going to be surprised by by this there's no new cards in it anything like that but it is you know it's basically just questing druid added into blue red prowess it's got two underworld Mm -hmm. breach expressive iteration preordain yada 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 all that kind of stuff maybe the most interesting thing about this list to me is that it slants pretty aggro because you know the last time i tried prowess i think it had four unholy heats in it and what this one has is two mutagenic growth and two unholy heats and a wild slash instead. wild slash wow yeah i just think that's a little bit of ring protection basically to be like okay you can play the ring fine i will probably have a creature that has ferocious and then i will just kill you but it is worth noting you know it's not it's not like a given that you're always going to have a creature with more than four power when you attack you need a couple of spells to make that happen so maybe it really does open up the opportunity when people play one ring against you. But, you know, the Wild Slash also feels a little bit like that one meme of the guy, like, I forget the, like, pro- the OxyClean guy putting the thing over the tank and being like, Psh, you know, got a leak in your tank? Slap Wild yep. Slash over it. Or Brazen <laughs> Borrower. <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect. But I love this kind of deck. Um, okay, so this is... You know, this is the me part of the thing is over now. Let's talk about Rhinos for a second. One list had Surveil Lands, one didn't. I think given how many people were talking about them, I imagine there would be more in the top eight, but it is what it is. Um, other than these, I think these are kind of stock lists. Yeah, I I saw a Sam Bogues deck. They finished sixth place in the Swiss. Sam had the Orvar back in the sideboard, mm. showing uh, increasing respect for creativity again. And also Sam had, Sam had no Flames of a Normain 
Yeah. Uh, did have more Merc Tide, probably trying to hedge against those mirror mashups a little bit. Had some flames in the side, but that I thought was pretty. That was a statement. You know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm going to relegate this to the sideboard and see what happens, type thing. Yep. And then creativity was after that. Another one topped aided. Nothing remarkable about this. I thought it was interesting that there's, you know, every creativity list has like interesting and weird uh, backup creativity targets in the sideboard, whether it's a couple of different Elish Norns, Iona, like this one has Terastodon is coming up more often. And then finally, the Titan list was Jack Heine. Jack was the winner. Uh, I didn't get a look at the um, list because it was not on Melee, weirdly. But... Okay. New cards, nothing other than Severe Lands in the top eight. Yeah, I mean, I saw, I, I was scrolling down, through, hovering over the list on Melee. I saw a lot of the Rhinos list in the top 25 or so. We're running like a Singleton Hedge Maze, Singleton Thundering Falls. So a lot of people were testing things there. But like you said, it's not like it was conclusive whether or not like this is what's really propelling people to the top eight or something like that. But, you know, there's a lot of noise in data like this, but I think that we are seeing, we didn't see that all the, the people running the surveil lands were like down at the bottom. They were failing, like making top 25 is, is sweet. So, and uh, for what it's worth, I looked at, so this is where I saw the living end list that had one of them, one of the surveil lands, but I, I looked at every list that was better than, f- you know, including five, two and one. So five, two and one and up. And those are the only things that I saw that were new cards in this particular event. I do kind of feel bad for the vendors at this event. Cause you know, you know, that people, there's been all this discourse about like not having card selection discourse, right? But I, Imagine like being working at one of these events and just having every no. person walk by and be like, "You get hedge maze or thundering falls. You get hedge maze or thundering falls. You get hedge maze." Like every person walking by asking you if you have those, and you're like, "Well, I have the six other ones, but no." <laughs> Can I interest you in Orzov? And what do you charge what, what? for for that? There, I mean, they're two dollars on on like Card Kingdom right now. Do you charge yeah, exactly. eight dollars for one of those when you open? I don't know. I don't know. I do. I would. Yeah. All right, so I thought it was fun to see this kind of weird top eight, a little bit weirder top eight. It was pretty cool. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me the whole weekend, honestly, looking at this is just like creativity. It's back, baby. Bigger. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't claim to know like, hey, when when does one play creativity? But I guess you do now. Yeah. All right, so let's take a little short break, and then we're going to hop into identifying some other new cards that we've seen over the weekend in random places. We're going to do that quick. It's going to be like a lightning round. Stay with us. Dave, there's some pioneer stuff here. I think that we're going to talk about this more just randomly. Yeah, because I mean, these, yeah, these aren't, these are not, these are small tournaments, much smaller than the Lurkana tournaments. Mm-hmm. People were people were not going here to play Pioneer, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I mean, these were like 40-people tournaments, 50-people tournaments, but I, I yeah. mostly what we want to do is just identify some other places that we saw new cards in, in play right now and just kind of go from that. So the first place that I was looking at was, like Shane said, SCG Con Heart for Pioneer. These were small events. These were what are called bronze events. So they were, you know, they were capped at 100 people. They only got around 50, like we said. Here's what I saw. For people thinking about starting to think about the Pro Tour. And maybe we'll think about it a little more too. Um, on Sunday, actually, I'm going to start on Friday. On Friday, there <laughs> okay, was a 47 perfect. player deck, player tournament. 27%. That's a lot of people playing the same deck, yeah. Dave. <laughs> it was 47 player deck. God. 
Uh, I'm so tired. It's it's like it's like when it's like when the Twitch chat is like all playing the Pokemon game at the same time, mm-hmm. or like the Reddit thing where like everyone's drawing the collective art thing at the same time. Right. Do we draw? Do we play this? Yeah, everyone's playing Rakdos mid range at the same well, time. Well, no, in this particular Friday tournament, basically everyone was playing Blue White Control. Oh man! In, in according to Goldfish, twenty seven percent of the players in this forty seven player. T- this tournament with 50 people must have been nine hours to do five rounds. <laughs> Whoever sticks the win con and protects it wins. No More Lies was the ninth most played spell in this tournament. No More Lies on Friday. On Friday, people got, there were enough people who got. So this is another thing that I thought was interesting is like all the people who showed up to play Pioneer had four copies of No More Lies. Not all, but lots of the blue eye control players did. Is that an uncommon or a common? It's an uncommon. Wow, even that, even that, it would be hard to get that. Many it would be hard, but nobody had anything else in modern. <laughs> they were not, the modern players are like, we're not even interested. We're not even trying. Nah, you know, don't want we'll it. see. Um, the only other thing that I saw that was interesting in this particular tournament uh, was analyze the pollen, which is the collect evidence enabled traverse the Ulenwald basically as a one of in Grease Fang, which I actually thought was a pretty good use for a creature slash land tutor effect. Okay, in the Sunday event. For Pioneer, this was 38 players. That was also 15% blue eye control. And that was that means it was six players. Three of them finished 3-1 or better, including one of them, one of them, one of the 5-0 lists in this tournament was that. These are like five-round capped tournaments. So one of the 4-1 control lists had four times four uh, the the 5-0 did not have normalized, but the 4-1 did, one of the 3-1s did. There was even a 2-1 deck list that was labeled Jeskai Tokens, which was basically just control that had no more lies and four Lightning Helix. It was like modern in 2012 kind of style control. It was like like Planeswalkers, uh, Mana Leak, and Lightning Helix for you. So we we finally saw we finally have seen the Pioneer deck that is just an old modern deck. We got there. Uh, I mean, this isn't the only one, but it, it was funny how close this was to some of that stuff. And then the other big card that I saw, I did see Lightning Helix in a burn list that also went 2-1, but there was a 3-1 Gruel Vehicles deck with Quake Mole. Ansrager or the uh, the Quake Mole, the Mole God. Yes, the Mole God that yep. we talked about. Yep. It looks like it's replacing Tranquil Thrillback in, from the list that I could tell. Um, mm-hmm. And there's no Thrill Seekers with this one. Like That was one of the big things that Devin was excited about, was trying to play with Voldaren Thrill Seeker. This person was just just playing it for value. We're just playing the we're just playing the uh, the mole god swinging in. Love it, which is pretty cool. Hopefully it works. Yeah, three one. I f- I feel like I still feel pretty good about that prediction. But anyway, that's what I saw in Pioneer to start. Okay, Shane, what have what have you been up to? I know you saw a few things. Oh yeah, so I looked at what our streamer friends were doing on day one because I knew that both Doomwake and Aspiring Spike would be busting out their crazy ideas. It's funny that I, I think they like a lot of the same types of decks. I think they're good streamer decks, right? Which is like grindy, value, combo engines. Good screenshots with like a zillion game objects. Yes. Yes. You got to get the game objects. You got to do the thing. So I checked out what Doom was doing. I'm sure he'll talk more about these next week. I don't want to spoil too much of his thunder, but he was playing uh, a chalk outline combo deck. I don't think we talked about chalk outline on the episode I was on. Did you and he talk about chalk outline on the first spoiler app? Uh, We did not. I saw that um, 
Everett was talking about it at different points in time, but I did not identify that as the broken card when we were talking. Yeah. We mostly talked about Insidious Roots. I don't know if it's broken. Right. Because it's it's a three and a green enchantment that is four mana, and it reads whenever... It's nice when things that are three and green are four mana. Yes, I agree. Uh, and you can't cast it for cheap. Whenever one or more creature cards leaves your graveyard, create a 2-2 two, two white and blue detective creature token, then investigate. You see where this is going. Mm-hmm. So... It, it, the combo works with like a discard outlet, like a noose constrictor, or a lot of the troll. You let you can discard for free with those cards. So you know you might discard a, a daredevil into the graveyard, and then you get it back out by making with it like, investigate. Yeah, yeah, by like the artifact et being or some kind of artifact et being or the artifact from the chalk outline. So like with it, it, it goes the trigger goes on the stack, right? And so like the, the I mean, once the once the first artifact ETBs, you get the Oval Chase Daredevil back. The Investigate trigger goes on the stack from Chalk Outline, and then you can discard the Daredevil again with that trigger on the stack. So then the trigger resolves, the uh, Daredevil sees the artifact ETB, repeat, 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 get infinite tutus, infinitely large uh, Lotless Troll, infinitely large news Constrictor for that turn at least, and you know go to town, hopefully win from that situation. So this is a Golgari deck. It's also getting some value out of Insidious Roots. It's not part of the main combo itself, but you know you get a lot of extra power. It's like a plan B with like your cat oven type stuff, your or your daredevil type stuff if you're doing it um here and there and not you know looping it infinitely. I do know that with this deck though, he did you know quick O2 drop, moved on to something else. Uh it's a fun idea. This has though. two Crypt Breaker in it. Remember Crypt Breaker? Kinda. Yeah. I kind of remember Crypt Breaker. Interesting. Um, I don't remember what it does. Want a Pro Tour, what I think. It? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Spike, of course, had a modern deck, Insidious Roots. Um, this is, of course, an Asmo deck. It's it's similar in concept, but I think different in execution. Um, if you forget Insidious Roots, Black Green Enchantment, creature tokens you control have tap, add, add one mana of any color, and whenever one or more creature cards leaves your graveyard, there's that text again, create an 0-1 plant green plant creature token, then put a 1-1 counter on each plant you control. So the idea here, of course, is get lots of triggers from like your Bloodgast, from your Oval, oval Chase Daredevil. There's a Singleton Squee Goblin Nabob, Nabob um, kind of a bonus mm-hmm. Daredevil. You can tutor for that. Um, so the deck is built to maximize Insidious Roots. Of course, this is a this is a spike deck. Spike loves grindy value engine decks like this. So you, know, you get that value with the roots tokens. There's some infinite combos, I guess, in there with like there's a grave crawler and a carrion feeder in there. There's a fa- there's some fauna shamans. There's Stitcher's suppliers. There's Tyvar. There's Agatha Soul Cauldron. Weird options, interesting cards. Uh, and his sideboard did have four picker poison. I was not able to watch a lot of his actual matches uh, because I was working, unfortunately. Um, Wait, and four? Four pick your poison. The, oh, because this one, this screen grab that you oh, have this doesn't screen have screenshot it. does not. But no, in the in the stream, he had four. Interesting. So the, he went three and two in his first two leagues with the deck. Dave, I kind of feel like these engine style decks are more like streamer curiosities than they frequently turn out to be like you know, real legitimate decks. But yeah, I mean, there's always a moment where we think like the Troll King or whatever is suddenly going to come back and yes. be good. Remember? Yeah, Feasting Troll King yeah. is, is the meta, but it's never quite there. It's like, it's it's good it's good streamer content because it's not like, you know, it, it lets the, the people kind of 
you know, people like Spike, like flex their muscles in terms of like getting to game states that you would never find your, yourself in. Right. Because you would have lost like four turns earlier. Right. And by you, I mean me. And me, uh, of course. Yeah. So I think it's cool. Like, I think like Spike was definitely, I mean, Spike still is on record that Insidious Roots is his most favorite and number one card out of the set. So I'm sure we'll see more with Insidious Roots to kind of like watch this space. I, I definitely think like the card is cool, but much like anything, like, you know, much like any kind of graveyard value deck or synergy deck like this, like unless you're infinite comboing, it's going to be slower. It's going to be a value strategy. It's going to be something that takes some time to get to the win condition. And you don't always have time for that, especially in modern. So yeah, we will see. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. All right, let's talk about a different card. Now that we're, let's get away from Golgari yeah. value. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Leyland this is a card that people expected to do things and has had several different applications come up so far. Many yep. of them we theorized, but how's it going so far? I did. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but I, I do know that doom doom played green devotion with Leyland of the guild pact. And it's, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward build, right? It's like, it, this is green devotion and pioneer and green devotion now is effectively like a green ramp deck. Like you have some fatties like Vorinclex, like Titan of industry, like voracious Hydra, you have Vivian Arcbow Ranger. Um, you can hope to like, you know, power out that quick Ulamog out of the sideboard, wishing it up with Vivian, uh, with her ultimate. The ley line here is really just for the big devotion power off Nykthos, right? It's like, Hey, this is a lot of devotion. And there are lines with particular mana choices. Like I think there, I forget the name of the card, but like it allows you to do like turn two Nykthos activations, like off of the ley line. Um, now this is good mm -hmm. content when I don't know the actual card, but yeah, anyway. So he did go 03 into 23. Um, so it's not like it, it popped off, but I think, you know, this is, it's a first draft. I think he was trying to lean in hard on just testing out Leyland of the Guild Pact and we'll see where it goes from here. And it, I think like we've seen people like in our discord, like Spencer talk about it in creativity. Yes, in a Titan creativity list. So basically enabling oh. really early Valakut kills. So Spencer's a big fan of okay. Titan creativity. I don't know a ton about it, but I will say I was in the, on the spoiler apps talking about Leyline of the Guild Pack plus Valakut slash Scapeshift slash Titan, like maybe being a thing in some form or another. And there are people trying to experiment with it. I know that, that uh, some people around the Discord, as you said, Spencer in particular, are pretty pop, are pretty excited about that prospect. And then also, we did see someone from our, our uh, Discord, Kilgore, share a list that was Zoo because we thought that it might end up in Zoo. And oh, modern. yeah, it makes sense in Zoo, yeah. And I don't know if I agree that it makes sense, but it has been tried. <laughs> um, there was a deck at one of the trials, which were like the kind of like the places that you could get, I think you can get buys for the 10Ks by doing well in the trials. That's how that system used to work anyway, but I, you know, I, or maybe they're just small, like five round tournaments, basically. So this deck list went 3 2, and it has, you know, it's domain plus three leyline if you're if you're curious about it it's got tribal flame still it's got leyline binding of course um not i can't really tell exactly what cards were removed from this list in order to make it work for lightning bolt for stubborn denial and then your beaters and the idea here is that you know make all your creatures all colors sign a draco makes them do crazy things and then you're off to the races from there yeah i mean that intrigues me a lot besides the fact that like it doesn't do much of anything later yeah. right like this is this is like 
the worst top deck of all time. If you're, you know, you you have two two lands out, you're just praying for some action off the top. Like you really want a tribal flames or a lightning bolt or another creature, and you draw a leyland yeah. of the guild pact, and you're like, yeah. All I mean, worth noting that you can. Um like discard cards to territorial Kavu because you can discard and then draw. And then, you know, you do have a little bit of card advantage in that. Ragavan gets you extra cards, quote unquote. So you, you can make up for it a little bit, but yeah, it's a little bit of a problem in a deck that wants to attack, I think. But man, I'm just like, I'm looking at the, the like, just like a turn two Nishoba Brawler, like, you know, five, like five, three. That's right. pretty sweet with Trample. I mean, there's there's a lot of good stuff that can happen here for sure but maybe it's just like you know the, the peaks and valleys like the ceiling and the floor is more extended in a deck like this and does it really need it does it does it need that particular boost and i don't know yeah i'm not sure either but we'll see I have another deck i saw today and it was also from spike and i'm going to call this spike blade with uh with cryptic coat I don't remember us talking about this card. Maybe you and Devin did. I, I used this as the example card when we were talking about Cloak. Yes. So uh, it's a two and a blue artifact, equipment, and when it ETBs, you cloak the top card of your library, then attach Cryptic Cloak to it. And what Cloak is, is your new manifest. If you remember Manifest, mm-hmm. you, you, put the, you put the card onto the battlefield as a 2-2 creature with Ward 2. And then the equipped creature with Cryptic Cloak gets plus one, plus zero, and cannot be blocked. So that's cool. Then it also has one in the blue, return cryptic cloak to its owner's hand. So doesn't seem particularly interesting. In a Stoneforge Mystic deck, however, Spike's version literally only has Cauldra Complete in the main deck. It has like, I think like one sword, maybe two no, two swords in the side, and then the cryptic coat. One sword in the side for what it's worth from what I'm looking at here, yes. but... Yes, that's what I thought. So he said that a, a viewer today described it as like a tutorable true name nemesis with upside. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, I'm beginning to think that's the case. It was This is a pretty normal kind of Azorius Stoneblade control deck. Like it's got, you know, the Ephemerates, the Prismatic Endings, the Preordains, Counterspells, Tidebinder, Teferi 3, Settledy, you know, Solitude, all that good stuff, right? The, what's cool about Cryptic Coat is that in a Spike deck where you are just eking out value in every way, shape, and form, you can do stuff like pitch it to subtlety, return it to hand, um, then play it, and then you get the cloak card. You can get it with your Stoneforge Mystic, get it onto the battlefield, which has a you know decent natural casting cost of three, or you bring it onto the battlefield Stoneforge Mystic, you cloak a card, you return it to hand, then you can cast it again or Stoneforge Mystic it if you haven't done that already once this turn, get more cloaked cards, things like that. So it's kind of like card advantage in a way that, I mean, there's, there's potentially better ways to do it in an Azorius deck. Yeah. I mean, one thing to note is that there's not, it's not like there's a, I mean, I guess there's not a tiny amount of creatures in this deck. Like the way that Manifest works or the way that Cloak works is like, you know, turning a creature up for its mana cost. What you're really doing there is like subtlety. You're getting a hit maybe off of Solitude, Tidebinder, or Mystic. So there's only 16, 15 even creatures in here that you can actually turn up. And the only ones that you really do want to turn up, well, I guess really. Any of them, except for Stoneforge Mystic, would be good to turn up for the mana Think cost. Of, what about Ephemerate, Dave? If you Ephemerate the cloaked card, 
you just you just get it back, right? Yes, it comes back. So you get some mana advantage that way. You can, you know, it might be fun. You know, it's, it's like it gets you some fun options, which is, yeah. you know, kind of cool, I suppose. I think the one thing that's really interesting about this too is like, okay, uh, you know, getting your solitude into play to have later is aside. One thing that happens when you play Stoneforge decks, right, and you decide, am I going to go get Batter Skull? Or am I going to go mm-hmm. get like the play pattern against the Stoneforge Mystic? When they go turn two Stoneforge Mystic, I'm going to get Calder complete and show it to you. Is you just desperately try to kill the Stoneforge Mystic, right? And so a lot of times when you're playing these decks, you're trying to decide like, well, do I go get a sword because I know they're going to kill my Stoneforge Mystic and put the sword on something else, or do I just keep the Calder complete and pray for later? Now that Batterskull is mostly gone from these kind of lists, you know, it doesn't see play in like you know Hammer or anything like that where you have that as a game plan available too. Cryptic Coat is a card that is possible to cast if you are going back. So then it becomes really that Stoneforge Mystic's like a value card, right? Where you're like, okay, go ahead. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get Cryptic Coat and then don't kill my Stoneforge Mystic because you probably save your, your removal then. And then maybe I ephemerate my Stoneforge Mystic to get back later in a more advantageous position and get Culture Complete when it's time to try to kill with that. So there is a bunch of different things going on here, which is interesting. Yeah, this deck has lines. Yeah, I still don't know for sure if I think that like, I mean, I, I get us being like, it's tr- it's a tutorable true name nemesis. It's a 3-2 unblockable with Ward 2 that is sometimes upgradable to a different creature if I flip it up at the right time, like a creature like Tidebinder or something like that. Uh, yeah. Actually, I'm looking at these right now, though. I think that you don't get the triggered ability off of these when they flip. They have to. I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna no, check I mean, right now. Oh, you're checking checking some rules text. Like, does it does it appear as the new creature or is it like the old creature? What happens to ETB effects when a creature is manifested? It isn't entering the battlefield. Yeah, so you don't you don't get ETBs off of these when you flip them up. It's only via ephemerate. Yeah, so that makes okay. those kind of lines a lot worse. Really. Yeah, for sure. So, but still, I guess you're drawing extra cards and et cetera, et cetera. People love drawing cards. Sure I know they, um, Spike went very Spike 3-2 with this again, like he did with the other deck. The He said he liked the Surveil Land. I think that's a blue-white one. I would, I, I'm surprised he didn't play more. That seems like a, a, this seems like the kind of deck where you potentially would play more, although it does have a lot of like early actions. So maybe you don't want to hurt your mana too much to you know play your counter spells and your snowforge mystics and whatnot so i mean cool deck it's it's i think it's a kind of thing like if if this works at all then you will definitely see people probably playing it do you know what i mean like this is the kind of thing that i think people would would love playing in a league or playing at your lgs so i wouldn't be surprised to see this especially now that spikes played it um you know, show up next week at your LGS event or something yeah. like that. I mean, this is one of those things like, I have all these cards except for Cryptic Coat. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, it, and it's like an uncommon. So. Uh, it's a rare. Is it? Yeah, it's a rare. Oh, wow. That's, that's uh, you're right. It's a little, it's a little gold, gold symbol. I see that now. Yep. All right. Well, interesting stuff starting to happen. Shane, can't wait to hear what happens at Denver this week as we try to yeah. do the last couple of shows here before we have MagicCon Chicago. We only have next week and the week after of shows. Yeah, I'm hyped for that. I'm hyped for seeing people in Denver this weekend, uh, seeing the, like some locals. I know some folks that are coming in from uh, out of town, some people on like some uh, other mag- sources of magic that I, I don't engage with anywhere near as much as our podcast, but I know some people that are coming in. So that'll be sweet. If you're coming in, Look for the dude who looks like me in dive down paraphernalia. So that'll that'll be or the dude who looks like me. Yeah, you're coming to Denver. Oh, not Denver. I thought you were talking about Chicago. And then you know we uh, say hi 
shake my, uh, give me a, give me a hearty handshake or a fist bump because you know we still are living in a world where I'm going to wear a mask at the at the at the event. That'll be fun. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, this was a nice, efficient episode. I think we will have some more stuff to talk about in the near future. I'm sure we'll have Devin on to talk about his experiments over the the first few weeks of the format. Um, I'm sure we'll have Stan coming back sometime soon off of his travels and journeys and whatnot. Um, he's been busy, but it'll be nice to be talking to Stan about what he's been up to. I know he's been playing some magic because he loves magic. He plays it for real. And then we will just have, you know, the probably talk about what's going to happen in Chicago, talk about what happened in Chicago. We're going to have some cool interviews in Chicago. I'm we already think. excited yeah. for this. I think we we're going to have some cool interviews. Um, we And keep keep that space clear for Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Uh, it seems like we're not going to have a big enough group that we need to like reserve a space. So I think it's probably going to be something that we communicate to people in the Discord. Or maybe if you're nice to us, we'll communicate via Twitter if you want to meet up with us. <laughs> but yeah, keep, keep some space open for us Saturday night in Chicago because we uh, would like to yeah, hang, hang out. out hi yeah cool dave you want to wrap this one up have a nice little fast one this week i love that 82 minutes is fast well i mean we had we had some downtime <laughs> that's true it's gonna it, there's gonna be some some dead air cut when we were looking up stuff on the on the internet true. Uh, that wraps up the show if you haven't yet subscribed to us get the latest episodes as soon as they drop if you use Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a rating or review there. Engage with us on the Spotify platform if you so choose. If you want to ask us a question, reach out to us, tell us what you think, tweet us at the dive down or email the dive down at gmail.com. Feel free to join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down or check out the store at the dive down.com slash store. Go to heavyplay.com. Get those awesome deck, dice boxes, play mats, all with the Equipmag system. The code, the dive down 2024, 10% off your first order. Mana Traders, thank you for being an affiliate of us. You can use our promo code, the dive down 3YO. I know that you won't remember that. It's in the show notes. 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. Save money. You can save money paper cards. Our friends over at New Rage Gaming gives you 8% off of your order with the code dive8. Nowhere. Space Blood. Thanks for letting us use your music for five years or so. But until next week, get out there and don your cryptic code.